0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 110. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with the end of Luke chapter 5. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We ended up last week in Luke chapter 5, verses 32, so we'll continue on in verse 33. Jesus is questioned about fasting. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered them, Can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, in those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it to an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says the old is better." Throughout Jesus' public ministry, he'll get questions like this from the Pharisees. And I want to interpret this as an honest question, not necessarily as a trap of why Jesus is behaving differently than their expectations, because they have a certain way that things are done, a certain way that the religion is working at this point. And Jesus doesn't seem to be following the social norms, doesn't seem to be following the way that things are done. And so the question comes up in this particular case, fasting, why is it your disciples don't fast? And Jesus says, if we read this carefully, that Christians will fast, but they don't at that time. They don't because there is an air of celebration there because, as he puts it, the bridegroom is still here. You wouldn't do that in the middle of the party. And with Jesus there, it's a party, is really what he's saying. And that is another thing that they have problems with is, remember, we already have Jesus in trouble for who he's associating with. Jesus is too free with his associations, and he is too joyful in some ways. He's not as somber as they want, and that's the question of fasting then. He goes on to say that there is some problem with the new and the old and the mixing of them. And he gives these three analogies of the patching an old garment with a new cloth, the putting new wine into an old wineskin, and new wine would still be fermenting and would expanding, and an old wineskin would have lost its elasticity. And then also new wine and old wine, if you drunk wine, you wouldn't necessarily want to go back to the other. There is an issue here, and most Christian scholars are interpreting this as an issue of they have lost the elasticity in the faith, so that Jesus' teachings aren't fitting, that there's a problem here with combining the new and the old. And we continue on to chapter 6 of Luke, where again the same issue comes up but with a different specific. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never heard... What David did when he and his companions were hungry, he entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to him, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with a shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. So this is another place where the elasticity of the faith of the Pharisees runs into a problem with the understanding of Jesus. Because they have many, many rules about the Sabbath in terms of what you can do and what you can't do. And you can't do work. Well, they were trying to be very careful not knowing what a precise definition of work is, they tried to make it an expansive definition so that they wouldn't accidentally do work on the Sabbath. They're trying to keep the law in a way that was not intended to be restrictive, but it was restrictive. It was intended to be protective. We'll keep it a little more extra because that way we won't accidentally violate it. But it has turned into a series of very oppressive rules in some ways by this point, where the mere act of taking some grain in your hands is threshing and therefore work. The act of spitting on the ground and, and rubbing in with your heel is irrigation. If you carry more than two dried figs, you're doing work. It just It's gotten very complicated at this point. And Jesus is not as concerned with the complications. It's not that Jesus is unconcerned about following the law of keeping the Sabbath, It's that he is less concerned with following all of the rules that they have come up with with how to do it. In another place, Jesus says that the Sabbath is meant for man and not man for the Sabbath. In this case, he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, that he is in fact the Son of God who was the one who put this rule into place, and he has some understanding of why. Why? And the rule is put in place so that we wouldn't work too hard, so that we would give ourselves some break. Well, too many rules doesn't seem like much of a break. And so Jesus is not concerned. He gives them an example of David, who also was a Sabbath breaker, and why he did it. It was a practical reason he was hungry. And Jesus doesn't find any problem with that. And again, then he finds himself in the synagogue and they're waiting to see if he's going to heal a man's hand. And think about that. Here's a man who is prevented perhaps from doing some trade, who is prevented from being a full member of society because if he has a healed hand, it must be some sign of a judgment from God. And rather than eagerly waiting to see if the power of God will be displayed to heal, to take a hand that does not work and make it work. What a wonderful, awesome, inspiring thing that would be to see. But they're wrapped up in their preconceived notions of what is right, so that they miss the power of God. They're in a kind of situation that you and I may or may not ever see. A wonderful, miraculous time. And yet they're so blinded by what they think is right that they miss the power of God. What a tragedy. And so Jesus says, is it right to do evil on the Sabbath or is it right to do good? What is the Sabbath all about? And so he does good. And because he does good on the Sabbath they start to talk about what to do about this Jesus. Going on from there, the twelve disciples. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon who was called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. Notice that before Jesus did this very important work of choosing who would be the leaders from a larger group. There weren't just 12 people following him. He went out and he prayed. He spent the whole night praying to God. And obviously there's a lesson in that for us in terms of making important decisions. It's interesting to note that We don't have much information about some of these apostles from the biblical accounts. We certainly know a lot about Peter. We certainly know a lot about James and John. But we know less about Bartholomew, for instance, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who's called the Zealot. But these are the people that Jesus chose as his 12, as his 12 most important, and also designated them apostles, to be sent. Apostolos is the word there. We'll pick up the next part of this story next week. For then, we'll end the Bible Study Podcast here. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to host at com or post a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. I would ask if you also listened to my other podcast, The Amateur Traveler, that you could vote for it for a Lonely Planet Travel Award. and You'll find a link to that at amateurtraveler.com. But for now, thanks so much for listening.